Welcome to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, with your host, Vanessa. On this podcast, we talk about who your coach is when the name tag comes off. What makes this coach tick? How did they get started? And what kept them going? What coach inspired them? Do they have any passions outside of coaching? And most importantly, what do they want their legacy to be? Tune in to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. Welcome! We are here with Erin on Behind Hello. the Name Tag. Um, Welcome to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, Why Coaches Are Humans Too. On this podcast, we interview coaches across the nation to find out who they truly are and what makes them tick. Erin, where are you at today? Plano, Texas. Okay, and where were you born and raised, girl? Tell us about yourself. Oh, many, many places I was raised. I was born in Richardson. Um, It's a suburb right outside of Dallas. Um, I was raised in Richardson through middle school. And then um, I actually moved my freshman year of high school to England, which was pretty cool. I got to play soccer overseas. That's crazy. Um, and then, yes. And then the rest of um, high school, um, we moved to Saxe, and I graduated from Wiley High School. Why didn't you stay over there in Europe? I mean, I would have loved to, <laughs> but my parents, my parents moved back. So, you know, as a freshman in high school, yeah. I really couldn't live by myself. Yeah. So, you know, I had to, I had to follow them, you know. Dang. <laughs> would you ever see yourself living over there again? Oh, I would love, love it. I've actually not visited since. So that was um, two years back, you know, um, freshman in high school. Few years back, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's changed quite a bit, but... Yeah. Um, it's a totally different world, and I loved England. I love it. Yes, I would absolutely live there in a heartbeat. So tell us something uh, unique about yourself. So um, I think, like, two things kind of come to mind. Um, one thing unique is my eyes change colors based off of what I'm wearing. Yep. So now I guess it's based off of the mask I wear, but um, they turn <laughs> blue or gray or green, so that's kind of unique um and I also um my heritage is a little unique as well on my dad's side um we are Cherokee Indian so I have enough um Indian blood where I have a CDIB card which is um certificate of degree of Indian blood issued by the Bureau of Indian Affairs so it's kind of cool so I'm part of the Cherokee tribe um so my great great grandpa was full-blooded so that's pretty cool that is very cool yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually have some Indian in me as well, but we were a Canadian Indian. Um, but I, oh. still, I haven't been able to, I haven't tried tracing it uh, before. You should. You never yeah. know. You, I know. I mean, you never know. Very cool. All right, tell us a little bit more. What's your favorite song right now? So, favorite song, I have to say, um, I'm kind of old school. Okay. <laughs> so, I am a 90s child yes. which means i live for anything hip-hop 90s and early 2000s yes so same. if you say any song that'll be my favorite song i mean i love them all yeah 90s I'm was down the best. for any of them 
I'm down for any of them. I'm biased, but 90s, 90s rap was the best for sure. It's the Oh, we're not biased. It's the <laughs> truth. It's the truth. Yeah, it I'll really just say is. that. It's the truth. <laughs> okay, now we're going to get nitty gritty. Tell us something embarrassing maybe only your family knows about. Okay. <laughs> I can think of a lot. I can think of a lot of things, but what I'm willing to say. Okay, so I do have um, a misspelled tattoo. Okay, they I... misspelled. They misspelled a word, uh-huh. and it's tattooed on my body. Uh-huh. And they misspelled the word genius. <laughs> That's so perfect. Yes. No regrets. Yes, I got it covered up somewhat, but you can still kind of see that they, I mean, if you get really close, you can tell, but yeah. from a distance, you know, it's it's not as bad, but yeah. of all words, oh you're going to misspell genius. I feel like they did that on purpose, or maybe they were just under a lot of pressure, and they're like, don't mess this up, don't mess this up. Oh, man. I mean... I mean, I'd hope they didn't do it on purpose. Uh, yeah, you would hope, but you never know. Um, it was a friend of mine, so. Oh, that's only, right. We're okay. Gonna only hope, right? We're gonna only hope. Shout out! I'm sure they will never misspell anything after that. So to well, bring it. Actually, yeah, after that, I didn't go back to him. Yeah, I would. No. Yeah, I would feel the exact same way. Now, uh, to kind of bring it into, um, you know, why you're here. What makes you passionate about this career that we're in? I love to help people. You know, Mm -hmm. I really feel like that's what I was born to do. That's my purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get to do that every day with this career, and I get to do it in so many different ways. I'm not only a coach for athletes and, you know, our GTX Alpha UltraFit program, but I'm a nutrition coach as well Mm -hmm. and a metabolic coach. So I get the opportunity to help people in so many different ways. Yeah, I think that we're very lucky in that in that way that, you know, when I wake up and I know that I'm able to help someone, you know, day in and day out, uh, a feeling of service just gives me so much gratitude to help people literally change their lives and change their entire course through how they view, you know, fitness and nutrition. I think it's a really it's a heavy weight to bear if you realize how much impact you can really have on somebody's life. So I'm very grateful as well to be in this career. That is so true. That's yeah. exactly how I feel every day. I wake up excited, excited to go to work and, you know, be able to do that. And maybe one day be that one day, you know, that person can feel the same for someone else. Like that's yeah. truly what I hope. Yeah. I, I tell that, I tell that to people all the time, you know, sometimes people that are, that you're around, they may support your decisions. They may have a hard time with it because they're not, they're not ready themselves to make the change. But right. you would be surprised at how often you end up inspiring your loved ones and your, um, you know, your kids. Like, that's another one. Like, I love when I hear that, you know, my kiddos are actually working out with me now. They want to take the walks or they're excited about the recipes that we're trying. It just makes me so, like, warm and fuzzy inside. Um I feel that. Yep. I totally feel that too. Now, how long have you been in this career? Um, So training, I've been training for over um, 16, 17 years. Wow. Okay. Um, Yeah. With Lifetime, it's been nine years this November. Oh my gosh. 
one month before my actual wedding anniversary, which is why I remember the year. Oh, <laughs> wow. You're about to hit a, you're almost, yeah, you're close I'm enough to like a decade. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Um, but if you weren't in this profession, do you feel like you would be doing something outside of fitness? Like what would you be doing if you weren't training? Well, definitely continuing helping people, right? Because that's totally where I I feel the most drive and my purpose. Um, but growing up, I always thought I would just be a teacher, right? Like a a um, kindergarten teacher is what I always thought I'd be. Um, oh but gosh. when it came down to choose my major for college, um, I majored in psychology originally. Um, you know, I love playing sports. I mentioned to you, I played soccer um, overseas. I played soccer throughout high school and college. Um, but I think there's always so much more involved with being successful in sports than just the physical aspect. Yeah. It's also that mental game, right? That mental aspect. So originally, um, I wanted to be a sports psychologist. So I think that's probably where I would go um, yeah. if I, I, I wasn't in this career right now. And I think I do kind of use that as well in this career. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it depends on the hat you need at the moment, right? You put on your teacher hat. You put on your psychologist hat. You put uh-huh. on, you know, like... Put on your coach's hat. Yeah. That's so interesting. I actually went almost the exact same pathway. Uh, I wanted to be a kinder teacher, and my my first major was education, and then I switched into. Uh, pre-physical therapy and then I decided that I actually just wanted to be I wanted the option to graduate and either go into teaching or um, PE Um, but then I started noticing that you know with when you're in a school district you have a little less control and not as much like impact as I wanted I wanted a little bit more like freedom and time with kids Um, and then I ended up kind of falling in love with working with adults. I feel like adults, you know, sometimes they don't get always like the opportunity to put themselves first. And so to have that, um, moment of clarity of being able to be seen for, you know, um, after you kind of always put yourself last and having that opportunity to talk about yourself and kind of revisit, you know, some goals in mind, um, that's kind of when I, I definitely have fallen in love with psychology as well. Cause I'm like, okay, there's a reason why you do the things that you do. And some of it's mm-hmm. conscious and sometimes some of it is yeah. subconscious. And yeah. so that's very interesting. You are, you and I are very similar girl. Um, um, I, I feel that with you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I think I asked you already. I'm like, please don't tell me you're a cancer. Cause then I'll scream. But I'm like right there. I'm Leo. <laughs> I so know. I'm that's right so there. funny to me. Um, <laughs> All right. No, I feel like I have cancerous vibes, though. Oh, yeah. No. I definitely have. I have yeah. subtle Leo vibes. I don't think I'm, mm-hmm. like, as, like, I guess, I don't know. Ext- We're diverse. Extroverted. No. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a very high introverted extrovert. Um, yes. I feel you on that one. Yes. <laughs> that is absolutely me. So I'm sure you've had some pretty major impact over that length of time training. What is one of your favorite client stories? You know, there's so many to choose from. You know, I've, I've actually had, um, we have a 60-day challenge, which is actually coming up very soon. But at one point, it was a 90-day challenge. 
And um, I had the opportunity to train in one of my uh, GTX classes, which was then called uh, Team Weight Loss. But he actually won the national uh, prize. So he's the national winner, which was pretty cool. He lost wow. 88 pounds in wow. 90 days. That's insane. So that was a huge opportunity. And it was so amazing to, um, you know, impact him the way that I did and um, for him to continue to this day still working on himself, which is pretty cool. Um, but I have one that really comes to mind um, when we talk about client stories. I think for me, it's beyond just the weight loss sometimes. It's, you know, how have you helped that person along the way? And um, I have a particular um, athlete that's in my GTX class. Her name is Jenny. And when she actually first came to class, it was about three years ago. And um, she would always be on like the corner treadmill away from everybody. And finally, you know, I got her to come in and um, got her situated next to somebody who I knew would bring her personality out. Mm -hmm. And now she's that person that is my go-to girl. I would say, you know, the captain of the crew and anyone new, you know, I, I always pair them next to her because she'll make them feel welcomed. So that was pretty cool to see that. And um, also with Jenny, she's such a inspiration um she's persevered this past year actually um she um when i talk about my athletes or my family too you know and actually last year um around this time um she actually broke her ankle in three places and i was the person that was called immediately to come up there um from the paramedics Aww. so you know i got to see her the the day it happened and then also about two weeks ago, she was balancing on a BOSU on that same ankle, wow. which is crazy a year later. Yeah. And today, actually, um, she was sprinting on the treadmill. So it's so cool to be a part of that. You know, like I said, it's, it, the numbers on the scale, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But when you can impact someone's life like that, yeah. where she couldn't walk and now she's sprinting, yeah. is incredible. That it's is so incredible. incredible to be a part of that. That reminds me of a story, too, that, you know, we're lucky here. I'm over in San Antonio, and we get a lot of, like, um, NFL and um, Spurs players and things like that that have kind that's of cool. retired and stuff. Yeah, and I had this one guy that was – an ex-NFL player, he was in a boot because he broke his ankle as well. And um, kind of talking about like your sports psychology side, whenever he was going through that transition of not being able to like really go hard, um, yeah. he didn't know how to train himself and still be yeah, able to like, to yeah, yeah, he was like, I don't know what to do. But I don't want to like just sit on my butt, but I also want to feel challenged. And I've noticed with like hockey players, soccer football those players that are so like mentally stimulated and always thinking like three four steps ahead mm -hmm. they need that puzzle style of a workout where they feel mentally That's stimulated true. and physically stimulated and um he was a real joy to like to be able to challenge myself with um because I was like always constantly thinking about, okay, like how do I not incorporate your leg, still work on your recovery and, um, and yeah, and his recovery ended up speeding up tenfold and he was able to kind of come back. Um, obviously he's not playing football anymore, but he's still, you know, they still have that drive to be, you know, an elite athlete, 
you know, um, right. an athlete of life. I know that sounds cheesy, but that's no, how I that's, train my I mean, that's so true. people. Yeah. yeah. Um, now we, you know, I feel like you've probably changed those people's lives, you know, for the better. And, um, I hope so, yeah. every coach needs a coach though. So who do, who do you feel like has changed your life coach or otherwise? Well, it actually was a coach, um, a personal trainer. So whenever I was in college, um, now, well, let me me circle back. In high school, um, I tore my ACL my junior year. So, of course, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to play soccer in college. Well, I ended up pulling myself out of that and being able to do that. From college, I tore the same ACL. So I was kind of in one of those. You know, you you can kind of get depressed. You kind of get sad. Like, you can't do the things like you just said. I mean, you're high-performance athletes. We want to be challenging ourselves. And, again, I didn't know how, and I just really kind of gave up a little bit. Um, So my husband, my my now husband, which was my uh, boyfriend then in college, um, he actually um, got a trainer for me. He purchased sessions. his name was Trent, and he helped me um, not just kind of rehab back from that ACL injury, but he really sparked something in me that made me actually change my major to kinesiology from psychology and then go into this field. You know, I was so um, inspired and driven from what he did for me, not just physically, but again, mentally. Like, I felt like I got myself back, I gained myself back. Um, that I was like, I want to help anyone and everyone um, be successful from, you know, post-injury or pre-injury. How can I help people, you know, prevent them from having injury? You know, that's why I I changed my major and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now is because of him. That's an entire life's course change. I mean, that's that's pretty insane. And I can definitely... all the field right now. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that. I actually blew my back out like day two of quarantine and um, just doing a tire flip and for like two seconds not engaging my core. My back just was like, nope, and then it gave out. Um, but I, I, can, I can understand that feel and empathize with that feeling of just kind of being like, okay, cool, like this was my coping mechanism and now the world is shut down. Like what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I kind of had to flip into this, like, this mode of understanding, okay, you know, if this isn't happening to me, it's happening for me. So how do I figure out to look at this as a positive side? Okay, well, luckily, we're out of work, and I can lay on my back, and, you know, everybody is out, and I can rest, and I have the opportunity to rest. That's the hardest thing to do is rest sometimes. It really was. Well, and it was an injury I've never experienced before. I mean, I, like, physically couldn't, like, couldn't walk or stand or sit for a very long time. And um, Now, did you find out what ended up happening? You know. Did you have any, like, injuries or was it just more um, muscle or? I didn't ever go get a screening done because, of course, my stubborn ass, I started, um, my my roommate is actually in in, um, PT school. And then I contacted, um, I contacted our physical therapist and I contacted our lifetime chiropractor. And I just kind of like 
basically self-rehabbed. I understood that like if my progression was getting better and I was getting my pain, my mobility and my pain was getting alleviated, I felt like I was healing it. Um, and I knew that, you know, if, if I continue to feel any like sciatic pain or any like loss of sensation and kind of like the dangerous symptoms, I would, I would have definitely gone to get imaging done. But, um, but yeah, but I knew that as, as I started seeing like my progression getting so much better, I ended up just kind of self-healing. And I'm happy to say that I'm, I'm now finally sw- swinging around my heavy kettlebells and hitting my barbell lifts like I used to. So I was going to ask you if you yeah. tried to flip the tire yet. No, no. Not I feel yet. like I'm a little <laughs> like hesitant that to will, do that. That will be the day. You're like, yes. I know, I know. Um, so I have a similar story to that on top of my ACL injury, I think a lot of us as trainers, you know, that oftentimes happens quite a bit, which is why we understand, you know, that mental aspect. Um, But actually, um, when I was training, and this was in college while I was still going to school, um, there was a um, member at the gym that I trained at at that time who was lifting, um, he was doing bench, doing bench press and it was way too heavy for him uh-huh. and it literally almost collapsed on him i had to run over oh my gosh pick it up so when you're in that mode right imagine being in that mode yeah you're literally you don't i mean you're not thinking about form like no. you're literally just i gotta yank this off of him so i yeah. literally bent over grabbed it put it on um you know put it on re-racked it and i was like okay and then i felt kind of something warm in my back and i was like all right oh, hopefully man. everything's okay um i go like you know later on i sit in my i try to sit down in my car and i could barely sit yeah. i went to go try to get out of my car once i got to my destination yeah i couldn't get up yeah so i ended up having two bulging discs from that and the lower lumbar so, Yes, yes. So my L4, L5, and my um, L5, S1. Yeah, that's exactly where my injury was. And and you can tell, um, especially because of it, it was kind of hitting that sciatic area. And, Uh um, but... My roommate was telling me because she's in, you know, she's in PT school. She's like, actually, and she works in a P, as a PTA um, here in Bernie, and she was saying actually, it's incredibly common to have you know discs just kind of like um, being out of alignment, and then uh, about eighty, I think it was like eighty five percent of people actually end up having lower back pain in that exact area. So it's incredibly common just because of poor posture and sitting and lifting all kinds of weird things which is like half of like really more than half of the reason why I train my clients no matter what age or goal I make sure that everything is like multi-planner because I'm like you know we're about yes. to we're about to do all the transverse stuff so that you don't have any issues I was to say, <laughs> picking yeah, stuff up that, yeah chain, for it, sure. yeah exactly yeah I feel like most often as trainers, we've probably been through through some things, you know. Well, but that's but that's also why, like again, like I've I've also you know had a high grade two, low grade two, low grade one sprain through soccer, um, rolled the crap out of my ankle, had to wear a boot, and I wore the boot for too long, and then it kind of created like a little internal cast on my ankle. Anyway, but the point is, is it like 
when I was going through that process, I was like, okay, now when I see someone else, though, as a trainer, I'll be able to understand them so much better and be able to give them the do's and don'ts. And it really just made me a better trainer. So when my back got injured, I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to learn a lot about <laughs> like we're gonna the healing. About yeah, yeah, we're going to go through this and that's totally fine. And, and the more I saw it that way, the more I was like, all right, I'm going to be able to help so many more people. Let's just stay on the positive it's side. That's so true. Now, you said you played soccer. I played soccer. What um, position did you play? Left wing. I was left wing. So ah, I, I almost, mid. yeah, I almost uh, tore my ACL as oh well. Gosh. I actually went in for a slide tackle because I was really good at slide tackling, and this girl locked her legs around my ankle. And I stood up faster than her, and she locked them, and I twisted. And um, I ended up having to wear a, a, knee, a knee brace after lots of healing, but I had to wear a knee brace on my right leg. So after I was a right mid for a very long time, I actually had to learn how to kick and pass um, with my left. And I've actually found out that I'm much better with my left serving foot in my shot. So again, another oh, silver lining. For a reason. Yep. <laughs> another <laughs> silver lining. For a reason. Now I'm pedidextrous and I can owe it all to her yes. and that's totally fine. Um, yes. You're so, meant to be on that left side all along. <laughs> yeah. It's actually yeah, <laughs> one way or another. It feels a lot more comfortable. So what, um, what do you do outside of the gym? What kind of gives you life beyond training? Well, I am a mom of an 18-year-old, and he actually is very good at baseball. So, you know, my my husband actually is a soccer player, and he was a goalie, and he's a goalie coach now, and we both made a baseball player. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but that gives me life. Like, if you don't see me um, up at Lifetime, you'll see me, you know, in the stands watching him play baseball. Yeah. That gives me that life for sure. Yeah, I mean it's to be a to be a mother. I mean I'm I'm a mother of a of a furry furry thing, but I'm not <laughs> I'm not a not a mother so yet. So am I. <laughs> yes. My, the furry what kind of what kind of furry mommy are you? He is a Shiba Inu uh, shepherd mix. So he looks like a little husky or chow, um, like middle mid size. And he's oh. the freaking cutest. Yeah. He's my, I love that. Yeah. He's pretty great. Um, what kind of puppies do you have? Well, I have three. Um, my husband is also a hunter, so we have hunting dogs. We have oh. two Weimar. Yes, we have two Weimariners, which is really fun to listen. Uh, or it's really fun to hear people say that word, right? <laughs> Weimariner. A lot of them say it incorrectly all the time. It's so funny. Um, and we have a blue tick coonhound as well. That sounds like kind of the Worcestershire can't, can't yes, pronounce. It yeah. like, yes, it is. It's totally hard to say. It's so funny, all the all the names that I hear. Is that a Weimariner? <laughs> sure is. Yeah. <laughs> I understand that. With the it Shiba so Inu, yeah. people are like, a Shababa? What, what did you just say? It's like a sh- <laughs> Shiba Inu. <laughs> um, that's pretty funny, that's though. Cool. Yeah, my my puppy. So he's a. So I got him from the Bear County um, shelter, and I've actually taken him dove hunting before. And I was oh. I was really nervous because the poor baby got nervous with like windshield wipers. He would start like whimpering and crying. So I was like, great, great. Like he's gonna be terrible around guns. But he was. We we shot. You know, we shot a dove, and he was healing by my side. And I said, okay, go get it. And he saw it, 
like grabbed it, lightly put his mouth around it, and then dropped it right in front of me. So and he was a natural hunting dog. With like no hesitation. Wow. It was, and he didn't get scared of the gunshot at all. It was pretty incredible. Um, so I have no idea if that's like the shepherd in him or what, but it is crazy. It probably is. Yeah, it probably yeah. is. Yeah. That's yeah. nuts. So, so what's really funny is that, um, so one of my Weimariners, her name is Dora. Um, she's, <laughs> we call her Dora because she explores, right? It fits her so well. But it's so funny because my husband will be watching um, Hunting Channel on TV, and she will watch the show with him. She will never watch TV otherwise, but she will watch hunting with him. And it's so funny because, you know, like they go into that stance, like they're going to, you know, the point. Is it the point? Oh, my gosh. Kind of like the point, but mostly pointers, but they kind of like put their paw up and kind of lean forward (laughs) a little bit. I love that. And she does that. And then whenever they, you know, um, shoot or, you know, the bow and arrow, she starts whimpering like she wants to go get it. It's so funny. That's awesome. So, yeah, so she's natural. She's a natural hunting dog, too. So speak- I feel like that's the Texas, the Texas hunting dog. Right? It is, yeah. <laughs> natural. <laughs> yeah. Texas is the best state, but you know what? We're biased, so. <laughs> well, not really if it's true, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's true. Um, all right, so when we're talking about kind of time outside of the gym, um do you like your circle big or small and why well you know for the longest time it was really big you know the more people the merrier which is still how i feel now um but i think kind of growing up i've learned a lot about trust and to this to this day now i like it smaller you know i'm just i'm more focused on a smaller tight-knit family group than I am about having a large amount of people that are more acquaintances, right? Yeah. So I'm still I'm still all for being around those large gatherings, which yeah. is still fun. Yeah. But I, I really think that's kind of where I am in life now, right? Like if you ask me a year from now, maybe it'll be different, but at this moment that's where I am. Yeah, I can I definitely resonate with that. I think that um, I focus in on I want to have a big impact on a big community right. and I want my impact to be exponential um, but I but I want my my values and my core folk my rooted people to be really small um, because I am so empathetic I have a hard time you know not absorbing the energy around me and so that can be really really tough um, to have that many um, energies around you, you know, you have to kind of focus in on people that are aligned with you and not everybody is going to understand you and they're not going to understand, you know, um, why you do the things you do, etc. And so you, but the good news is, is you don't have to have a big group. Like you get to choose. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, you're more of an introverted extrovert. Yeah. So I feel, you know, that's absolutely where I am too. So yeah. You know, I do feel energies, and I do pick up on that energy. So sometimes it is hard being around a lot of people because you feel all that, right? Like you, you take that in. So sometimes it's overwhelming. Uh, that's that's what I was telling actually when I was speaking with Lindsay as well. I was she was telling me she was an enneagram eight. I don't remember what enneagram I was, but she was oh. talking about being <laughs> an empath <laughs> as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
but we were talking about kind of the need um, as an introvert to recharge, like being around and being on, you know, quote unquote, on stage or on all the time, trying to help make sure that we're bringing the energy to class, to our sessions, being, Mm -hmm. you know, showing up as someone that's genuinely interested in listening to every word someone has to say and making sure you're paying attention to like how their body is moving. I mean, that Mm -hmm. takes a lot of uh, a lot of attention moving part. Yeah, for sure. And so being able to have to recharge, I I literally um, need to shell up, I will literally shell up and kind of at the at the weekend, I'll just need to like be by myself and recharge through like, nature or music or books or something like that just so I can kind of like almost like quiet the chaos that that I feel like I'm I've experienced throughout the week (laughs) so So I've noticed in my you know I'm in my mid-30s now I noticed in my late 20s and 30s I started being that way yeah you know for the longest time like I said I would want so many people around me I don't know if it was just you know, being younger or not, but I'm to that point where I totally have to recharge my batteries for sure almost every day, you know, just to make sure that I can be impactful the same exact way, you know, every day for my athletes and for my clients. Yeah. So I totally feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. I noticed that actually as well, that same kind of timeline. I feel like the twenties, the twenties era is like where you learn and I feel like the thirties is where you get to live and I feel like the forties are where you like thrive. I don't know. I feel like that oh, kind okay. of like I'm ready for that. Yeah. I'm almost there. <laughs> I'm ready to thrive. No. <laughs> I'm I'm thirty three and I've definitely noticed like in the early you know, all the all through the twenties, same thing. Like I just felt like I was any person that I was around had a big impact and influence on me. And I've, I realized that in my, in my 30s, I realized, like, being able to open and close that, that energy portal, if you will. Like, you don't have to mm-hmm. absorb every energy you're around. And you can actually yeah. have control around that. Not to get too woo-woo, but, yeah, but that's, yeah. that's definitely feel like that. So, well, like Lindsay said, I feel in the same way. Yeah. I'm definitely an empath. I pick up and I feel energies. Yeah. I always absolutely know what someone is feeling, even if they're not showing it. And it surprises a lot of people sometimes when I ask them, hey, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Because they have no idea that I could feel and I could pick up on that energy. But once you do, you absorb that energy, right? So you take on that energy and it can be a lot sometimes, but it's when you recharge, like you're good to go, you know? Well, between that nonverbal communication and your interest in psychology, and then thirdly, when we were athletes, we had to study how someone would move to know where they're going to go. And so we would have to know what's going to happen next. So I feel like all of those combinations have, have prepared us to really pick up on a lot of things. And I think that's so interesting to me. Um, now that you're putting it that way, yeah. I definitely think so too. Yeah, because when when you play soccer, um, I mean, my soccer IQ was very high. Yeah, meaning I knew if this person did this, I knew exactly what was going to be the next, um, like the second, the third, the fourth step. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm still like that to this day. Yeah, I re- actually remember. I think I feel like, hopefully, I don't get this wrong. I feel like the first time that my mom 
told me about EQ. She heard it from Oprah. <laughs> she loves her some Oprah. Um, I mean, I can see that. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I remember her. She's, she's very smart. <laughs> yeah, I remember her speaking about EQ, though, instead of IQ. And I was like, thank God there's something else because I was not a good <laughs> student. I was like, okay, well, I'm not good at school. Enough but this IQ. Yeah. Else. <laughs> I'm going to run. I'm going to run with this EQ for days because apparently I get an A in EQ. Um, but, yeah, I think that that was pretty cool to learn about. Now, um, if someone were to see you in the gym or even outside of the gym, what's one false assumption people have had about you? So I hear this quite often is I get told all the time um, by either athletes or um, my my clients will end up saying that they were super scared of me. They were intimidated by me before they started training with me. And then we re- they realized that I'm a fun person. And, you know, um, they're like, oh, you're nothing like I thought you were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> so I get that all the time. I don't know why. I'm like, I don't think I have a resting B face, but maybe I need to work on that. I don't know. But they just are, they just said they're just nervous around me. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to blame your lip tattoo. <laughs> oh, stop. No. Yes. You can't, you can't see it, though. I it's know, like, but I feel like there know? may be people find out, and they're like, wow, that girl is, like, super hard. <laughs> and that was my first tattoo. I, I still can't believe that, that that was your, like, first break into getting tattoos. That's that amazing. That was my first break-in. Okay, what's an area? This is what I thought to myself. Mind you, <laughs> early 20s. Okay, let's go back to that early 20s. Uh, all right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, where's the place I can get a tattoo? Number one, my mom won't get mad. <laughs> number two, like, I'm in my 20s, but I'm still like, mom, don't get mad. Um, and then number two, where, you know, if if I don't like it, yeah. no one, nobody, nobody's going to see it. Yeah. Inside of the lip. That's like, duh, that would be the first place you should get a tattoo, That right? is the funniest thing I so think I've ever So there you go. Heard. That's my first place. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. So, I mean, I think that was probably a pretty smart choice. I just can't believe, like, did was it painful? It wasn't. It that's so weird. It was the least painful tattoo of all seven. What was your most painful? The one that I have on my shoulder, which is a misspelled word. <laughs> It was so painful. I think it was your body's telling your body being like, My "No, saying, hey, you need to you need to wake up and see what he's, he's doing." He's spelling on you it life. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. All right. So speaking of quotes and things like that, what is one quote that stuck with you and you hold close to your your heart, your values, your morals? Well, I absolutely adore anything Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, the quote that was misspelled with genius was, imperfection is beauty, madness is genius. So that is on, that is on my body. That's tattooed on me. But um, one, another quote that she had that I, I absolutely love that really speaks to um, morals and values is, respect is one of life's greatest treasures. Mm-hmm. And then she goes on to say, what does it all mean? What does it all add up to if you don't have that? Yeah, that's And I think that's so true. You know, with anything, there needs to be a a vote of respect. Yeah, I think that that's so interesting. I don't know why I just thought about this, but um, there was a 
I don't I don't I still can't figure out if I'm a fan of Kanye's or not but Kanye was actually um talking about you know his his madness and his art and his expression Uh and he said um you know people always want these crazy outlandish artistic expressions and videos and things like that where do you think that probably comes from a sane brain or a mad brain and i was like that makes so much sense he's not wrong he's not wrong i mean i mean yeah i'm a big you know appreciator of of you know art and just video expression and music and so i mean that but that makes sense i think that a a life you know a life well lived is you know is unruly (laughs) and like you know full of madness um it's true (laughs) now if you were to give a piece of advice to your younger self other than spell check what would you what would it be (laughs) (laughs) i totally spell checked it they did not they did not no um i think for my younger self i mean i've been through so much you know from from a young age um i mean i would probably just tell my younger self buckle up it's gonna be a crazy ride yeah that's very (laughs) hold on you're gonna you're gonna be okay yeah you know just hold on oh man yeah what if i if i could have that moment to just sit down if i could have a me right now i feel like that's a lot of why i learned the way i learned too is i'm just like okay my nieces i got some i got a five and an eight-year-old niece and i'm just trying to think about what i what i can tell them to help them out but right and then also what can you say at that age that will be impactful you know like there's so many things that you would say to yourself right now, but right. we're, what, mid-30s, right? right? So it's like, what can I say to them that will, you know, resonate with them? Well, and it's so challenging right now, too, especially because I'm like, man, I didn't grow up the way they grew up, though, you know? Like, we barely had text messaging in uh, middle school. Right. We I didn't have a cell phone until yeah. I was in high school. Yeah. That's crazy. How about you? Yeah, because that's when cell phones happened. And we had to dial and remember everyone's phone number. Oh, do you like, remember T9? We would talk on the phone. We would talk. We didn't text. Yeah. We would talk to people. Oh, yeah. We had we had T9, and every text would be sent individually. And I was like, this is crap. Like, I just don't even want to deal with this. So I would still write, like, paper notes to my friends a whole lot more than I would text. <laughs> you know what? I still have. This is so funny. My mom... She saved everything from high school, and I'm so glad she did. She has this, like, tub. And when I say tub, I mean tub. Oh, yeah. Of notes. Of notes that were passed back and forth. I'm like, this was our text messaging, you know? I have <laughs> every I have every note literally from elementary school, okay? Oh, my gosh. That's so good. Every note that was, like, folded like origami. That's all kind of the of things. Like, oh, yes, origami was so big. Like, all what? of the things. Why did we do that? I don't know. And mash you, like every you read them. Yeah. I, so I actually moved. I moved recently, and I was like, "Mom, this is insane." I've kept every family card, even if it was like love Aunt Trish. I was like, "No, I have to keep this card because it's special." And I'm like, "This is ridiculous." So I went through every like letter and note and I was like I'm just gonna throw away (laughs) a lot of these just like simple cards but the ones that were cracking me up are like we're gonna be husband and wife forever and like best (laughs) friends and like it was just it was it was funny to read some of the things that we thought was gonna happen at such a young age 
And um, isn't it funny to read all the things that meant something to you at that oh, time? Yeah. And now you're like, what in the world? Oh, my God. I was so dramatic as a kid. I was so, so dramatic. dramatic. I mean, that's every kid, right? <laughs> but I think that it's like because I was feeling all of the feels and I didn't understand how to, like, yes. chill. <laughs> and like, we were. We were feeling all the feels, not realizing. And, you know, being an empath is a thing. And, yeah. You know, like, we're feeling it all. You didn't know how to channel it back then, but it's okay. It was yeah. it was self-expression and the fact that I I grew up in in Austin, which was like super hippie town. Oh, you had all the feels. Oh man. More. I lived in Austin when it was Austin, when it actually had like good like hippie vibes. Now it's like a whole yes. nother like Dallas, but when when it was actually weird. Yes. There is no like, longer okay, weird. weird. Yeah, weird is no longer there. Um, um, I know. I haven't visited Austin in quite a while. Yeah. So I've it's, heard some things. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's still it's still pretty great. It's just no longer as weird as it used to be. As weird. Yeah. Which is why you go. You know that you go for the the weird. The unique <laughs> experience. Yeah. Unique experience. Now, have you been to Dallas? Uh, yeah. So my, well, Dallas and Dallas area, um, my family is from, where they used to be located in Burleson, so Fort Worth, kind of okay. Dallas area. Yeah, I know and where that is. I used to go More to country. soccer tournaments in the Woodlands and in Dallas all the time, and so yeah. I could not stand so, either Woodlands place. Woodlands <laughs> and Houston, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. And then Dallas. So I played in the Plano Premier League. Yep, I played in Plano every yeah. Labor Day. We had a we had ah, a major. Okay. Yeah. You know what didn't happen this year that always happens in April around Easter? What? The Dallas Cup. Oh yeah, I remember that. Dallas, I, yeah, you remember that? I used yeah. to have a shirt that I'm sure that yeah, I cleared out I recently. Do. Oh my god, that's hilarious. <laughs> How oh, weird that, is that? You know? If we would have played, yeah, well, my I mean, husband and I, he actually played in the Dallas Cup. I was very close. I was in the Classic League, but we were right there. Yeah, um, which is a it's a great experience, right? It's kind of like the the I don't know World Series for soccer, right? Like it's yeah. such a big deal for young teams to be in there. And I actually remember uh, my brother. Um, he was in the World Cup. Now this was, you know, mind you, mind you, a while back, right? But um, I remember we housed um, one of the kiddos from Africa. That's nuts. Like, so it was really, yeah, it was kind of cool. That is so. I actually got to see. Okay, this is funny, and you'll you'll appreciate this story. I so growing up, who was your who was your favorite player? <laughs> oh, my favorite player. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Michael Owen. Oh, so mine was Mia Hamm. Liverpool. Mia, Come on. Mia, Mia Hamm was my like all. Well, yeah, I mean that's a natural, of right? Course. Yeah. So, so female, I actually male. Okay. Yeah, I actually got to see her play on one of her oh. last games, <clears throat> and her family. So her parents actually live in Austin, and so she was visiting, and I was in the Barton Hills Mall. And she was just straight up walking, like you know, living her life, like stroll, like pushing a little oh, stroller my face, with my, her family. My dog to the floor. Oh my god! I was. You don't understand. I was. I feel like I was in like maybe middle school or something like that. And uh, and my best friend was with me, and I was like, "Do you know who that is?" 
do you know who that is? And she was like, what's like, going on? Do you know how I was like, do you right understand? I was like, I literally can't move my body right now. That's freaking Mia Hamm. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, I literally just saw her play. I can't, I can't move right now. I was like, I have to go. I want to go say hi, but I don't want to bother her because she's with her family. And she's like, are you kidding me? Go over there and say hi. <laughs> That is crazy. And I walked over that to her. I could crazy. barely get words out. I was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? <laughs> Why is that the first thing that you say when you meet some? I'm like, do you know who you, do you know your name? <laughs> oh, my God. oh, man. Is that, the, is that the only celebrity you've ever seen in real life? No, I've seen like Tommy Lee Jones. He looks, he's, oh, he's pretty. That's cool. Where did you see? He was, oh, I feel like he was in Houston somewhere in some museum that I was at. And then, um, oh, wow. I've seen one of the Spurs players, I can't remember his name, in uh, one of um, like a Chinese restaurant. Um, I don't know. I've seen a couple of people. The, the person that I care about the most, though, growing up in Austin, that was the coolest thing was um, if you're a rock fan, um, Stevie Ray Vaughan is like one of my favorite artists. Uh, yes. I know Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. So his brother, Jimmy Ray Vaughan, lived around the corner from me. And so, like, being able to go trick-or-treat at his, at his house whenever I was, you know, a kid was, like, a big deal. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Um, that's really cool. Yeah. Okay, so reeling it back in, <laughs> I know we, we love to get on those tangents, and that's totally fine. Um, what is one moment in your life that – you know, you really needed help. And did you ask for help? Why or why not? Mm. You know, it's kind of hard to talk about sometimes, right? Like, yeah. um, for me personally, um, you know, I like to help others. However, m- for myself, it's hard for me to ask for help because it's, for me, it makes me feel like it's, it's a sign of weakness. Yeah. Which, you know, I shouldn't have that mentality, but that's just, ingrained into, into me yeah. um but recently um and i would say recently as of a year ago i actually found out that i had lyme disease yeah. and it was quite hard for me at that time but for me to ask for help it was literally for me saying that there was something wrong and i think that was the hardest thing for me is to realize that um, there was something wrong, and I, I needed someone to to guide me. Yep. Um, so for about five or six years, um, I actually have been to multiple um, specialists. I mean, endocrinologists. I mean, just you name it, internal specialists. Spent thousands of dollars, and um, no no one could tell me it was wrong. But you know, when you know there's something wrong with you, like you're not feeling like yourself, or right. you're not able able to do the things that you once were able to do and for no reason right like you just know there's something wrong and being an empath you could feel that um and so that was probably the hardest thing for me is to to come to the conclusion like Aaron, like there's something not right so number one that was really hard for me um and i was very blessed to um to know somebody it's actually uh, my husband's best friend's best friend so one of those um connections and he actually had uh Lyme disease for 25 years wow and um he talked to my husband one day um about my symptoms and what I was going through and 
you know, he told him two years prior to my diagnosis that that's what I had. But of course, during that time, I'm just in denial. Like there's, I don't even know what that is. Like, there's just no way. Like what? There's no way. Right. Like we go through that moment. Um, but it wasn't until the point where I had to be hospitalized from this disease. Again, not knowing that's what I had, um, I had to be hospitalized. I couldn't talk. I couldn't walk. Um, it's not something that I've actually told a lot of people. Um, again, I don't want people to know this side of me, I guess, sometimes. But being being vulnerable, actually, you know, sometimes helps you grow. And um, I was hospitalized. And, again, that doctor still did not know what was wrong with me. But when I was hospitalized, I knew I needed help. Yeah. So I reached out to him, which he was such a lifeline. We literally had the best conversation. We talked for two hours, which I, I mean, like, I don't even know what we talked about. But what I got out of it was he literally went through the same thing. And knowing that I wasn't alone, knowing that someone was going to be there to be my support system was so huge. Yeah. And so, you know, coming up to, we're, we're going on a year now because I found out, I believe it was August of last year, I finally got tested. Um, again, two years after, you know, he told me that's probably what you have. And I think I just for so long just didn't believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the doctors were like, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You're fine. You look fine, which I'm sure I did look fine. Um, but but now I found out it's um, it's chronic now, so it's chronic Lyme disease. So you know, um, it, it it took a, it took a lot to just kind of break down and put my hand up and say I need some help. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad I did. I'm so glad I did. And I'm sure that you know, kind of through that life changing experience, um, you know, in in addition to lots of other life lessons, I'm sure you've learned some some outstanding truths. So what mm-hmm. are three truths you feel like you know to be true? It's very, yeah, that's right on. So three truths I know to be true. I would say respect is earned. I would say loyalty is returned. And love is absolutely everything. That's beautiful. And a long, long, long time from now, Um, when it's your last day on earth and you're kind of looking at a reflection of your life, um, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want to be remembered for? You know, um, as far as legacy goes, um, I think I heard this from somebody, but, you know, legacy is not always leaving something for people. You know, um, sometimes it's leaving something in people. And so that's what I really would like my legacy to be and what I want to be remembered by. So for my son, you know, I want him to hopefully say I was the best mom and that he learned life lessons from me that he, you know, to that day continued, right? Because, you know, with legacy, it's not just, um, you know, then and now, it's, it's the future, right? Yeah. You know, for my husband, I hope he says I was the best wife and partner in life and my friends and family. And I would hope they say that, you know, um, I was always there for them in their times of need, inspired them to live their best life. And when I say friends and family, I'm including my clients in there because that's who they are. You know, of course. Yeah, I always. That's that's what I hope for them. You know, what I hope. I hope they 
just remember me um, and think of me in those terms when they're utilizing maybe something that I said to them and they you know remember like you know Aaron said this to me like that'd be that'd be pretty cool legacy. I think that that's right on for um, you know people don't always remember what you do but they remember Mm -hmm. how you made them feel. It's so true. Um, Yeah, they don't remember always what you say either. It's it's really the presence you had. Erin, I cannot thank you enough for your time today. Um, Do you have anything else that you want to make sure to tell everybody before we get off? Um. I, I don't know. I think we said it all, right? Wow. That was so much fun. I had so much fun chatting so with fun. you. How do we connect with you if we want to follow up with you? Where are you at on social? Okay. So if you're on Facebook, look for me at Erin Montaigne. And if you're on Instagram, um, I my handle is under exercise with Erin. Okay. And then... Um, what club are you at with Lifetime? Uh, Plano. Okay, so if you're in the Plano area, make sure to look up Aaron Montaigne. Yes, come hang out with me. Okay. You guys, thank you for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach, where coaches are humans too. I appreciate every human in their journey. I hope to continue to connect and shed light on how uniquely beautiful we all are. Our differences are what make us unique, but it's our humanity that brings us together. Stay healthy, my friends. This is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Thank you so much again for listening to Behind the Name Tag, More Than a Coach. If you enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to hit that subscribe button. We are broadcasting on anywhere you can find other podcasts like Apple, Spotify, and of course, Anchor, where we're recording this podcast now. If you really loved it, which I'm sure you did, we would appreciate a five-star review and a share with all of your friends. Until next time, this is your host, Vanessa, signing out. Stay healthy, my friends.